BorderCast podcast is a product of BorderCast.com. We are a dedicated team of meteorologists that provide weather forecasts, discussions, and analysis specific to Boulder County. If you want to receive email notifications for our posts, look for the subscribe button on our homepage. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at BoulderCast. If you have questions or comments, or would like to suggest a topic for future shows, message us at contact at BoulderCast.com. BoulderCast, a Boulder take on weather. Welcome to the Boulder Cast Podcast. This is your host, Andy. Ben is joining us as well. Welcome, everyone. Episode 11. And Matt Steiner back with I am, us. I am back. back. Good to be back, guys. The Jack is back. <laughs> change your name? I've been doing a lot of drink <laughs> lately, and no, I did not change my name. Joseph couldn't join us. He's uh, doing some intense karate tonight. So... We miss him dearly. <laughs> was he practicing for the jog as well that's that's coming up? Yeah, we're practicing for the El Dorado race. Right. Which you're running, right? I'll be running it, okay. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just need to go ahead and put my registration in. Yeah. So it's not too late to sign up? And yeah, you can sign up up to the race day. Maybe the, wanna, maybe the wanna, listeners want to know? If you want to go. There's this El Dorado Springs race next Thursday, the 27th. Um, it benefits the Colorado Cancer Foundation, so it's a good cause. And afterwards, they have free beer from Avery and Woo-woo. pasta jays, and you can bring your swimsuit and jump in the pool. So it's a win-win. There's a pool. <laughs> yeah, it's at the El Dorado Resort, Springs oh, okay. Resort, the one that got demolished in 1938. Flood. Oh wow! <laughs> so, so, back and better than ever. Yeah. <laughs> What so, is it, a 10K, 5K? I'm not sure about the K. It's four miles, so maybe it's six and a half K. <laughs> well, we'll see. Okay. So 3.2 3. miles is 5K. So 3.1. 3.1, sorry. I apologize. <laughs> so, so maybe it's yeah, six, six and a half-ish? Six and right. a half, seven. Right. Maybe. Exactly. It's not too bad. Yeah. yeah. So what have you guys been up to recently? Huh? Steiner? Steiner, what you been up to? Quite a bit. <laughs> since last since I was last on a podcast. Well, summarize it for us. Went to New Orleans for some uh vacationing. I uh so when we when we were flying from DIA to New Orleans, we uh we experienced a rainstorm in the in the middle of the flight as we were as we were coming close to the t- to the New Orleans airport, we uh, saw tons of lightning all around us, so we had to remain in the air for an extra hour before oh. we could finally land. And then, when we fi- when we finally were able to land, we uh, we we uh, got on a bus that would take us pretty close to downtown New Orleans. And as we were on that bus, it started to rain very heavily, so we finally had to get off that bus because. That bus would only get us about a mile outside of downtown New Orleans, so we had to get on a different bus to get us to downtown mm-hmm. New Orleans into the French Quarter where our hotel was located. And while all that was going on, we were getting off the bus. It was raining extremely hard, and there was probably at least two to three inches of rain on the ground that time. 
And as you guys know, New Orleans is below sea level in most places. Yeah. So the lot. So the lot. So basically, the city pretty much acts like a bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. So yeah, you can imagine the water there is just gonna. It's gonna kind be kind like runoff. Pile up and yeah. And Surely they have something that. to mitigate that, right? Like pumps or how do they get the water out of everywhere? Yeah, they have pumps, right? Yeah, maybe. The I mean, they have some kind of pump thing that pumps it out of the bowl, I guess. Or something yeah, like that. the Corps of Engineers, I think. Yeah, or something mm-hmm. like that. Is yeah, that, is that pre or post Katrina? I think they had them pre, but they probably strengthened it, I guess, after Katrina. Right. Well, I don't know. Well, I don't I, know. well, after Katrina, they obviously New Orleans had to make some substantial changes. Especially with the with the levees, they had to make them better, stronger. They also had to re- replace the uh, the Interstate Ten bridge that go that goes over the southern portion of Lake Pontchartrain mm-hmm. because that because the old bridge pretty much broke in many places. Yeah, and so they made it bigger. They made it they made it higher off the sea, off the lake. So instead of like. I would say 15 feet above the lake. It's probably a good 20, 25 feet off the lake now in case you have intense, intense seas out on that lake. So, so, uh, so obviously they've made a ton of changes, but even despite that, there's still a lot that hasn't been, that, ha- that hasn't been fixed up to this point. Like for example, there's a Walmart right along interstate 10 that was, pretty much closed down after Hurricane Katrina due to all the damage that occurred there. Mm-hmm. And it still remains there to this day. Just foreclosed? Uninhabited. Yep. So. Yeah. Their thing. So, yeah. Obviously, the first thing New Orleans had to do was take care of the tourist attractions. Mm-hmm. So, they fixed that first. So, within, you know, I'd say within once. That was fine. Then after that, they slowly got the rest of it. The rest of everything else fixed that they wanted to try and get fixed, but even st- but even despite that, you know, a lot of people who fled away from New Orleans and moved elsewhere, like Mobile, Pensacola, Baton Rouge, Lake Charles, yeah. Jackson, Mississippi, Biloxi. I was reading about that today, actually. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's a ten year anniversary coming up. That's right, next week. Wow. Yeah, you know, I was reading an article that said basically. In the New Orleans metro area, like they lost around a million people moved mm-hmm. away. Yep. Wow. And they've recovered about four hundred thousand people. Yep. Have moved back for one reason or another. So there's yeah. still, you know, six hundred thousand people in a deficit. Imagine like that many people just moving away well, from I'm, Denver. It'd be like yeah. a ghost town. <laughs> well almost I'm, instantly. I'm sure the housing costs would finally go down. Yeah. <laughs> Which would be nice. It's true, it's true. <laughs> but uh so yeah did, did you see a lot of the damage and stuff uh not so much this time i mean i think most of the downtown area has been fully recovered and even some of the outskirts same thing but we when we got there i mean like i said we were waiting for our second bus and literally a puddle of water and then finally got on the bus and I just remember. I just remember my girlfriend. She was, 
she was um, complaining about how rainy it was and how crowded the bus was. And as we were getting on the bus, she was she was told by the bus driver, oh, you can't use that dollar bill that you have. It got wet. You'll break my machine that receives the money. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you ride for free? Uh, no. I had to get You had to bust out dry dollars. <laughs> I had to pay them in dry dollars. But but the bus fees down there are way cheaper than they are up here in Denver and Boulder. So that's that's nice. I mean... I wonder why that is. Sure. I mean... Maybe it's more subsidized? Yeah. Like taxes? I don't know. Good question. But it was... Basically, it's $2... During the day to get from the airport to the French Quarter, no. so that's obviously, and that's like a fifteen mile commute, so it's pretty long. I mean, here in Denver, in Boulder, I mean, that same commute would be like ten dollars, so huh. something like that. But uh, it's weird. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's more demand there. Yeah, maybe. I think anyone really comes to Denver Airport and then wants to go down to downtown Denver to like <laughs> hang out. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe when the light rail comes. doesn't seem that like yeah. touristy, right? <laughs> like right. maybe New Orleans would be. I think maybe when the light rail gets established from DIA to downtown Denver, it will, it will become more of a attraction. Is that in progress? Well, I know they're they're. I think it's been constructed completely. It's just I think now they're just testing it. To, to see huh. if it's, you know, working properly, to see how, you know, to see to see how exactly the route's going to work, where the stops are going to be, and all that stuff. And so, I think they test it for a year, and after that, they open it. Hmm. So. I haven't right. been out there in a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. But, yeah. So, after that, I went to... I went back to my hometown, Alabama, because so I spent I spent a night and a day in downtown New Orleans. We went to this we went to this bar called Cajun Mike's. Where spicy, they, spicy food. Spicy, nothing but spicy foods there. Like they, I mean, imagine imagine food that is served at a regular pub here. Mm-hmm. That's basically what they had at this place, except they put all of these Cajun spices, in. <laughs> like fried and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's ridiculous. I mean, it seems like the seasoning is essentially like five different flavors of Tony's all put together. <laughs> <laughs> you could dig that. Yeah. <laughs> then, then after that, I stayed at a nice hotel, got got breakfast at, at a place called uh, Cafe Beignet, where Ooh. we ate beignets. <laughs> Love beignets. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? Sounds like there. a French donut, right? Or and, yeah, essentially it's a it's a French donut with huh. uh, with powdered sugar on the top. Okay, it's kind of like a king cake, <laughs> or no, not a king cake, but a funnel cake. Okay, yeah, I could so, I could go for that too. It's really good, very delicious, very cheap too, not very expensive. How much? Um, you can get three nice sized ones for I'd say two dollars. Mm, pretty good. Yeah. It's a nine dollar Elitch funnel cake. Right. <laughs> nine dollars? <laughs> From Elitch Garden. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably like this big. Yeah. yeah. And of course, what would a New Orleans trip be without a walk on Bourbon Street? And sure enough, we did that too. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? Just a bunch of bars? 
pretty much. <laughs> and nightclubs. <laughs> and a crystal at the very beginning of the street, because I'm sure that's where most people do their sobering up. <laughs> yeah, that not much else there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's what it is in a nutshell, but it's a major party area. So if you ever get a chance, for those of you who haven't been there, I might check it out. Okay. Yeah. Definitely a good place to go to, at least once in your life. <laughs> I, could, I could dig it. Yeah. Have you been there, Ben? No. Uh-oh. AMS? One of the few states I haven't been to. You know that AMS conference is uh, in New Orleans coming up this next year. I should go. <laughs> I could promote Bouldercast in there. Yes, you could. <laughs> That's true. Imagine that. You could sell those t-shirts. <laughs> oh, yeah, I could sell our t-shirts. Get some clientele down in Louisiana. That's right. Yeah. We got listeners all over the country. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, then after that, we went home, spent time with the family, went to the beach where it was hot and humid, and there were, like, no waves, and the water was bath water, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good too yeah I mean I still like some waves yeah do some uh, beach boarding yeah but uh, we don't have those <laughs> the Gulf of Mexico doesn't have much of them did you do waves the, mm-hmm. did you do the uh, parasailing no I saw it though it's pretty popular down there that's really fun mm-hmm. you did it I did it once yeah. wasn't it scary uh, no not really but it was the scary part was you could die doing that well, you could I know someone that died doing that. You could die doing anything, pretty much. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I suppose so, you're you're more likely to die from being in a car accident than you are from parasailing, right? I don't know. <laughs> but don't was... have the stats on those. Come on, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, the scary part was uh, you're you're floating up there in the yeah. air, and like all of a sudden you start going down. And you're like. What are they doing? You know, and they keep dropping you, and you're like mm-hmm. getting close to the water, and okay. they like dunk you, and then they bring you back out. So they just slow down, and you go down. It's like yeah, they like you get like a little dip in the water, and then they speed up uh-huh. again, and they pull you back up. Uh-huh. So, so they so you basically don't control your depth or your height. Do you have to hold on for your life, or do you like in a harness? You're in the harness. Yeah. I don't know how you would die from parasailing if you just fell to the water, like. Went straight in. Yeah, and like didn't hit the surface tension. Yeah, I could, I could see yeah. that. Yeah, I don't know, maybe. Seems, but I guess you can't because you're stuck in the thing. Right. Seems unlikely. What? That, that you would die. Yeah, I'm telling you, I know somebody. <laughs> somebody <laughs> could, I knew from. You could basically die doing this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. Imagine if we had a lightning yeah. storm around. Yeah, us. I could just come through the window and hit us. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah. Well, that sounds like you had a good trip. Beach was good. Saw some nice thunderstorms inland after the sea breeze got kicked up. So, yeah. It never made it to the beach, though. They they pretty much stayed inland. That's Just good. kind of the popcorn variety. They What they do is they, they form, and usually they're pretty intense. They, they usually comes with, I would say, anywhere from a half an inch to upwards of maybe even two inches of rain every 30 minutes before the storm finally dissipates and then another popcorn storm forms elsewhere. That's pretty intense. That's what happens when the temperatures are are in well into the 90s and your humidity levels are extremely high as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
a lot of juicy air down there, so it's it's easy for that air to rise. So there's so, there, there's really no cabin inversions that exist down there. So they, they just die out really fast, though, right? They yeah, they form really fast. They die out really fast. So there's really no there's really not much in the way of uh of potential energy forming from from it due to a linear capping inversion, like we would see even out here where we have the dry air. So mm-hmm. we're able to form those capping inversions. No, that's just not that's just not something. Just unloads and then kills itself. <laughs> right. Exactly. The, the, Downdrafts. So different kind of weather pattern <laughs> down there, especially in the summertime. But yeah, but yeah, that was pretty much vacation. Then I this this past week, not not this not the current week we're in, but the week before, I taught I taught a one week weather intensive at Boulder Prep High School, where in the middle of it, we launched a weather balloon, which yeah. some of our listeners may have actually saw. Yeah, you were looking north from, say, down from Pro Street Mall or from CU Boulder. So, yeah, pretty. It was a successful launch. Do you think anyone saw that? Maybe they're, they're really hard to see. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> I I saw the I saw the video. Yeah, it was too bad that they didn't interview you. Oh, I know. Yeah, why yeah. they interviewed the teacher? She, you know, she was nice. <laughs> she was. Yeah, she. I saw I I I saw the picture of you. Yeah, helping students, and then, exactly. and then all of a sudden they went to the the, the lady, the teacher. I guess. Right. Yeah. Hey, we well, teach our kids meteorology. She she was so uh, she was the headmaster. Her name was Allie. Uh huh. She or no, sorry, not Allie, but Lily. She she was the headmaster of Boulder Prep High, and uh, basically, what's she, that like, principal? Yeah, it's kind of superintendent like of a principal. So okay. She did a good job of a uh, promote of promoting the the partnership between the uh, between Boulder Prep, but instead of uh, saying the Department of Atmospheric and Oceanic Sciences, she went more general and just said CEU. So, so in, in the end, Ooh. the chair of our department was thinking, well, she she should have said what our department name is. So then we, it would promote our department. Yeah, make sure someone knows it exists. Right. Because <laughs> I'm sure to some to many people out there, I mean, they don't even know we exist. Yeah. I mean, really, we're still a fairly new department when you think about it. Yeah, like 50 kids. Yeah. Or yeah. students out of like 30,000. Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the department hasn't has only been around since, what, was it 2005? Or... Yeah. It's, so. pretty, it's a pretty new department. Mm-hmm. Considering that's okay, they got no info. That's true. <laughs> Still doesn't bring the students in for some reason. Yeah, it's weird. I th- you think it would, right? <laughs> You're almost like guaranteed to get a job at one of those places, <laughs> kind of, yeah, or NREL or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, but Su- yeah, successful weather balloon launch. It uh, it basically traveled off to the northeast as we expected when when the balloon was in the troposphere, and then once it entered the stratosphere. It decided to make a turn towards the west, hmm. and and as it went back into the troposphere, as as the balloon was descending, or I should say, the parachute because mm-hmm. the balloon had popped at this point, yeah, it it was over lions and it 
had basically just drifted off to the east, off the foothills, and ended up landing in this in this uh, older gentleman's yard of about, I would say, at least 100 acres. Hmm. And we entered onto his property and retrieved our balloon successfully, thanks nice. to our... Thanks to our GPS phones. <laughs> oh, yeah, you put those in there, son. That's right. That was cool. And it directed us exactly to where the balloon was. So, uh, that's pretty cool. awesome. You had videos and stuff? We, yeah, we had, so we we got about one, an hour of video footage from, from the camera that we used. But the problem was, beyond that point, the atmosphere way up was just way too cold for that phone. Yeah. Or... I, I should say it's, it, it was a camera phone. So the problem was they weren't using the correct type of battery. Mm. So it's recommended at those altitudes yep. to use ultimate lithiums. Yep. And I don't think we were using that. Didn't How, make a head man. Yeah. However, we did use that for the for the weather computer. The basically the radio song that measured all all the te- all the weather data like temperature, pressure. Um, Kept up with the coordinates, the altitude, the, Wait, what? the humidity. Wasn't this a standard Vaisal radius on? It was. We actually purchased the product from uh, High Altitude Science. Okay. So uh, it's a diff- it's a different company. They're based out of Colorado Springs, and they and they uh, they sell these weather balloon packets with oh. uh, with uh, with the balloon with. A GPS to locate the balloon, uh, a, a weather computer that that essentially measures mm-hmm. all the different meteorological data, and also and also just all all the different parts that are necessary for the launch, a parachute for uh-huh. the descent. How high did your balloon go? Hundred thousand feet. So we're talking wow. well into the stratosphere. How many kilometers is that? Wow. Kilometers? Question. <laughs> I'm just trying to think because I want like so 100 radius meters. So I'll see how yours compared. I think meters. It that's roughly about um, thirty thousand meters. Yeah, I got it right here. <laughs> because three point two seven feet per meter. Calculator. Okay, wait. Did a hundred thousand feet exactly? I think it was a little over a hundred thousand feet, so about a hundred and one thousand feet. I could actually pull up the data right quick. 31 kilometers. Wow. Yeah, pretty high. That's pretty good. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. And Dude, that would be record-breaking. Yeah. That would, that would take it first place. We always had competitions. Right. In Greenland, to see you could get the highest. Oh, really? Radius on launches. <laughs> but, you know, it's much colder up there. Yeah. So the atmosphere is, you know, much more dense. Exactly. So 31 kilometers would be like in a mesosphere. Oh, no, no, no. Not really, though, but it would be way, way That'd be there. pretty close. I mean, what pressure level did you get to? I guess that's really what matters. About, the, balloons the lowest was about 5 millibars. Okay. So, wow. hardly any atmosphere above where we were, where the balloon was. That's lies. pretty good. Yeah. That's so, awesome. you can imagine, once the balloon pops, how, how quickly... Mm-hmm. The entire payload drops over the first few seconds, and so and so the weather computer basically measured meteorological data every six seconds, and so for the first six seconds after the balloon popped, it it had already dropped a thousand meters. 
because there's just no atmosphere up there for the parachute to catch on. Is that even possible? It couldn't exceed gravity, gravitational acceleration, could it? I don't know. See, yeah. That's not I even mean, possible. I was, I was a little skeptical about that. That would be a simple physical physics calculation. Right. Like in a vacuum. Huh. It shouldn't be able to drop that fast. Perhaps that was a glitch in the data. Yeah. This isn't a physics. There was really at six, a thousand meters? It's or a thousand feet. A thousand feet, was, I could maybe believe. It was, a thou- it was a thousand meters according to the data. I will pull it up real quick just to uh, confirm that. That's, that's not even possible. Six seconds? Yeah, it's, it's a lot. That's over a mile. Yeah. Or no, wait, a thousand meters. No, it is. It would be. It's only one kilometer. It's like half a mile. No. Well, I guess he's right. The, the, de- the density is much less. Yeah, but it doesn't even, it doesn't matter that. You can't exceed. There's nothing accelerating that besides gravity. It's just a simple physics problem. I guess. Well, how could you have it go over phys- almost, a mi- almost a mile in six seconds? That'd be going like a thousand miles an hour. <laughs> well. This isn't a physics podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that's cool, though. I mean, somewhere in here, it's a ton of data that I collected. So. Did that package come with a predetermined bottle of helium? Um, No, we had to purchase our own helium. How did you know when to stop filling it? Uh, so it, the, Did it come the with web, the weight? It, the High Altitude Science website gave us directions on uh, how much helium to put into it. And oh, did you have a circumference? It no, it get, it actually came with a with a scale that we met. So we we basically measured mm. how much how much helium was in it from below, based on how much uh, how much a spring was stretching. Wow! So that's really <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. So so we so basically we had that instrument to uh, to help us out, and so we knew, you know, depending on how. How, how many grams the, the balloon was exerting upwards when to stop. Yeah. And then we launched it. It really doesn't matter for your application, though. Not really. In the end... Like, I you mean, gotta be really I precise mean, the di- when I did I it. mean, the, di- the difference between, you know... It just affects the A couple range. hundred grams of, of helium is, may- is maybe a meter or second or two in, in the vertical velocity yeah. of the ascent. Yeah. So I mean, I think I think in the end, I, I ended up measuring a vertical velocity of roughly about four meters per second. So that's I Pretty think standard. that's about standard. Yeah. So maybe a little slow, but they recommended the balloon having a speed anywhere from like three to six. So as long as it was doing that, it's fine. It really doesn't matter though. It's yeah. Really, it just depends how many data points you want. Right. Although it'll get stuck. Yeah. So wait, yours logged all the data locally and you had to retrieve it to get the data? Or did your data transmit back to like the base camp? So so what happened was yeah, so we we actually had to retrieve uh-huh. everything in order to collect the data because yeah, it was really? all collected in a, in a in a micro SD card. So Without without the payload, we didn't have data. So that that was the benefit of having the GPS yeah. that came with the package, which conveniently enough came out of Covington, Louisiana. But uh-huh. 
But uh, <laughs> and so what we did is That's we had fun. to we had to activate the GPS online, and then we would have access to the actual GPS coordinates. And then from there, we can track where... Dude, you're going geocaching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a, Essentially, that's what I said. It's just like geocaching. I mean, this is no different. Because all you're, do, all you're doing is you're looking at the GPS coordinates, and it updates every five minutes. And then from there, you're just locating those coordinates. And hopefully, you're close. <laughs> <laughs> What was your initial expectation of where this thing would end up? Like, did you think it would end up in, like, Lyman or I was thinking, Dale? I was thinking Fort Morgan because I didn't, I, didn't take into, I didn't take into account the, strat, the, the stratospheric winds yeah. going back to the west. I, I had no idea what the stratospheric winds would show because most of the, most of the models that, oh, yeah. that you see online only give you what the winds are going to be like upwards to about 100 millibars. And then yep. anything above that, you, crap just, you have no access to that information. Dude, you could have gone Indian on that. Yeah. He could tell you the stratospheric height patterns. That's true. It's climatological I, ones, I guess. I should have invited you to the weather balloon launch. <laughs> <laughs> I think you did, dude. I think you did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I may. Okay, you invited I, all I, of think, us. I think all three of you guys were busy <laughs> on that day. Which, you know. Yeah. At work, you know. Yeah, yeah, I have to pay the bills. So it would have been fun. Nothing. That does sound fun. Yeah, it sounds like it was a really good experience. Yeah, I. But again, I didn't take into account the 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 ones moving to the west in the stratosphere. Just so because of that, I was way off. Strangely enough, one it's of good one of makes sense because it's colder in the tropics in the summer. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's so warmer. In the it should pool, be easterlies. So it should be easterlies. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Tropical tropopause is frigid. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Epic. It's the season. Well, so it's always easterlies then? It's a seasonal shift. Yeah. In the winter, it's westerly. Oh, really? Well, the tropics are always. Well, it's colder than the Arctic in the winter than the tropics. Oh, okay. So it's a seasonal. It's kind of cool. There's yeah, that is cool. It was part of my comps exam for my master's. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. There you go. Yeah, I've never seen that thing. It was the, huge. I think it's like the semi-annual oscillation or something like okay. that. Okay. I don't know. Andy, I could have used you for this. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. It's a thermal wind, thermal wind balance. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Going back to uh, Dynamics 1 on that. Brutal. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But uh, Do you but want, what overall good experience with the, with the teaching and everything. So yeah, I nice. would I would do it again in a heartbeat. So you're saying you want to be a middle school science teacher? Oh, it's not middle school. First off, oh, it, high school. It's high school. But still, uh, but I mean, you know, maybe. I mean, I, I certainly do love to teach. So we'll see how we'll see how uh, grad school goes, and then we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah. Yeah. So. So uh, enough about me. What have you guys been up to? That was only 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, Andy? Uh, we went hiking this past weekend. Yeah. I guess we could talk about that. 14 or? Mount. Mount. 
Evans, right? Mount Evans. What? You were there. <laughs> I was there. I just can't remember. Mount Evans, the one of the four teenagers where you can drive up to the top. That's right. <laughs> but we won't. Get, we'll talk about that. Yeah. But we decided to take a more challenging route, I guess. I see. A challenging and remote route. Were there a lot of people on that route? Nope. We only saw about maybe, ten people. Yeah. Wow. Five, maybe five. Um, you guys really want until the summit. Right before the summit, it merges with this other trail, uh-huh. or with two other trails. Yeah. Where there's just loads of people. Right. But still, wasn't that really that bad? Right. No, it was really quiet. But yeah, we started over on Guanella Pass. Same. Just, off, just outside of Georgetown. Mm-hmm. It was same, pretty good. Same trailhead to go to Beerstock. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, we got there super early. <laughs> there was about a gazillion cars. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We left at 5.30 a.m.? No, 5 a.m. Yeah. What time did you guys get to the summit? I think it was like 11.30. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it took you guys about six hours? No, we. I mean, we didn't get there until seven forty-five. Oh, to the trailhead. Oh my goodness! <laughs> wow. So wait, so you guys were walking? No, or? is that right? No, it was six forty-five. We got to the trailhead. Oh, yeah. it was about an hour drive. Okay, an hour and a half. Yeah. And then yeah, we took off. We were with a bunch of other people, and then we just veered off into this field. <laughs> so are there a lot of uh, rough dirt roads? To, uh, to get to the Mount Evans Trailhead from no. where you guys work? No, it's all paved. Oh, okay. Then it's one that my Toyota Corolla could drive on. <laughs> it's also one that everyone else in the entire state can drive on. So it's pretty popular. Don't tell anyone. And crowded. <laughs> they already know. <laughs> they already know too late now. <laughs> but yeah, we basically just veered off through this field of bushes. Oh, that was... That was fun, wasn't it? That was brutal. Oh, man. We did not anticipate how wet it would be. <laughs> it, was, like, it was in this river swamp tundra area. Yeah. <laughs> you step in the wrong spot, you're like underneath this huge pot of mud. <laughs> like, yeah, it was all weeds. And the bushes were super wet at 6 a.m. <laughs> like, just imagine there was like a bunch of standing water, so the relative humidity was really high. Yeah. Oh, so goodness. it was just like pure dew on everything. Oh, no. <laughs> it reminds me of a nice fall morning in Alabama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. So. so, yeah, we were whacking through these weeds and. We were all completely soaked, and our shoes were soaked, <laughs> full with water. That was just the first mile of the trail. <laughs> I know. So I'm guessing the rest of it was just miserable, right? No, it got I easier. Know. I don't know. It, it, got, it got easier, I think. Well, yeah. Got out of the so we got out of the swamp. <laughs> so that so that experience did not affect your uh, your future endeavors on the trail. No, I think we all stopped and. Took our socks off and squeegeed them out. <laughs> <laughs> that really saved the day. And then the sun came out a little bit. Yeah. Drying us off. There you go. But. Yeah. Joseph kept saying, the clouds are clearing. They're burning off. And we were skeptical, but he was right. It ended up clearing out. Oh, really? Good. Until the storms developed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like super stratostatic until like 10 a.m. Yeah. And then the clouds just disappeared. And like half an hour later, the cumulus started forming. Oh yeah, of course. 
Yeah. Were there any, uh, when you guys made it to the summit, were there any storm clouds over you? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. You guys were testing the waters there. Yeah. It was actually bad. <laughs> yeah, it was giant. See any lightning? We heard some huge cracks of thunder. Uh-oh. Ben said Ben saw some lightning on the way down. Oh, no. It struck some kind of mountain or something. Really? Yeah, because we got to the summit, and there was just this huge storm forming right at the summit. Yeah. It was like converging up the east and west slopes, just uh-huh. a perfect conversion zone. Oh, and it was just like blowing in. It like rolled in like this huge cloud right at the summit. And all the tourists were like, this is awesome. <laughs> this is awesome. This is so cool. <laughs> and they're all standing on top of the summit in this like thunderstorm. For all of you listening, we do not recommend <laughs> doing this. Yeah, but we got to the top and the storm was building and then there were six of us that went and we're like, all right, let's go up and get this summit real quick. So we sprinted to the top, didn't even take any pictures, I don't think. I think Joseph and sprinted took down. One. Yeah. Because the storm was just building and we just took off and like started going down. How long did it take you guys to descend? Oh, man, I don't know. I think three hours. Okay. I think it took four up, three down. Yeah, we got to the car wreck around 4 p.m. I think. Oh, okay. Not too bad. Really? I thought it was earlier. No, you're right. Yeah, it was four something. But we were, yeah, we were hauling on the way down. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, when we were coming down, I saw this big strike of lightning that was like hit basically right on the beer stat trail. Nice. So I'm guessing there was tourists there. <laughs> or people hiking that. So I, yeah. I never heard anything about it. Is, uh, but it hit, it hit right on this like ridge. And there was a big clap of thunder. That was that was the most active storm uh, the day I've experienced going hiking. Yeah. Usually it's usually you get lucky. Yeah, that was really bad. That was I mean, seemingly bad. it sort of shouldn't have been that bad. Oh, and then we left. As soon as we got in our car, it started hailing. Yeah. So that, I don't know if you got caught in that storm, but Dude, I was like one car behind you. Yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, it was just like... Yeah, as soon as we got in the car, it was like a torrential downpour with hail. Yeah. Large hail? Small hail? No. Yeah, pea size. Pea even, size. Even yeah. smaller than pea size, I would say. <laughs> smaller than pea size? Yeah. How small did they get? <laughs> it was like, I don't know, crumb size? <laughs> crumb size. <laughs> but uh, then you get to the town of Georgetown. It stopped raining. So it's like nice. really... Yeah. Really brief. Oh, yeah. We, we saw like... 200, no, maybe like 100 goats. <laughs> yeah, it was mountain goats and some... Bighorn sheep. Bighorn sheep. I'm guessing you did not pet the goats. I wanted to. <laughs> no, but they were just like, they were everywhere. Yeah. As soon as we got them over, up over this little like edge, they were just like all over this field. And they were like eating and they'd walk over to us. <laughs> yeah. I would imagine... I go mountain lions paradise and you saw all those. I know. Just <laughs> you're thinking that, like, but yeah, there were there were so many up there. Yeah. yeah, they were just hanging out. It was kind of no one could really see them from the trail except right. us. So we had like this thing where so that's awesome. We had like yeah. all these goats and it was just like perfect, super serene. <laughs> Sounds like mission accomplished going on the on the off the off beaten trail. I would highly recommend it. Maybe not the swamp. I don't know what to do about that. Yeah. Well, you have your GPS now, so you have the, the breadcrumbs already. Yeah? You could 
Save that trail. Oh, it's probably so bad. I should look up the look at the GPS track for that hike we did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we so were like weaving Evan. I was just following Evan. And it was just like bushes. You couldn't even see anything. You just kept diving through these bushes. You need to kind of swamp. And Evan's turning left for no reason. And looking, <laughs> he's like, oh, he's just. There's like a giant pile of mud he's trying to avoid. You should uh, submit that trail to uh, 14ers.com. So <laughs> we were so off the trail. Is there, there is like a half trail. We found it on the way back. Yeah, it's like a half trail, but it constantly goes through mud pits. Oh <laughs> and there's like other trails that break off to avoid the mud pits. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It was, it was good though. Nice. It was fun. It was really steep. It kind of reminded me of like Lord of the Rings, like going through these woods and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. Going through the woods of the Hobbit or something like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, so don't go hiking when there's storms. Yeah. Hopefully tomorrow, or when we go this weekend, it's better. Yeah. It looks, yeah, it looks better, but I'm thinking it looks windy. Oh, I wasn't that, thinking about that. I should maybe that, pack some hats. With that jet stream overhead. Well, at least the yeah, uh, or at least to the north. But it looks like the temperatures are going to warm up though, so over the weekend. So, yeah, that should be favorable for hiking. Question is, will there be thunderstorms again? I'm skeptical. But I think there will be again, but maybe not as bad as last Sunday. Because yeah, yeah I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it'll be bad. Yeah, it's really. more warm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Wait, was that the hot day? No, Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. Saturday was when it almost approached a hundred. That's right. Well, I guess we could roll into that talk. Yeah. So we gotta... talk about the past week's weather. Yeah, good timing. We can start yeah. with Saturday, the hottest day of the year. Hottest day of the year, man. I was, I was really hoping we'd reach triple digits. So where, close. Where were we? Boulder's at 99. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know what the official temperature was. Oh, yeah, it was 96. That hurts. At Noah. At Noah? Yeah. Andy's happy. He hates heat. <laughs> I'm sure some of the listeners are happy. They probably hate the heat. <laughs> I was hoping. We talked about this, like, way back in April. Yeah. Remember, we were like, will there be a 100-degree day this year? Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. And there's not. No. Nope. There's not going to be. Not happening. I mean, there's like a... I'd give it like a five percent chance. Yeah, maybe even less. Oh, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure you were uh, sweating for those few minutes. <laughs> oh, please don't sure? get too hot, dude. It got so close. <laughs> Are you sure it was ninety nine? Like, would it briefly jump to like a hundred in the off hour? It could have between now. Not a boulder cast. It didn't. Oh. I got F, I got five second resolution. Oh, oh wow, yeah, that's impressive. I got up to ninety eight point eight. Oh, so it actually didn't reach 99. 98.8. I mean, like, it didn't actually 98.8. So you're rounding up. Yeah, I round up. Okay. <laughs> but Boulder Airport did get 99. Okay. And okay. Longmont Airport got 102. Really? <laughs> okay. DIA tied a record in 98. Boulder needed to get to 97 for its record. Yeah. But they only got 96 officially. Well, needless to say, it was Scan. a hot day. Yeah, Dude, like as soon as we got to 99, like the very minute, outflow boundary. Oh, no. Because <laughs> there was like a weak storm in oh, that rolled off uh, like down the big Thompson Canyon. Oh, I think. So I, I was I was at CU at the engineering building doing mm-hmm. some work there on that day. And I just remember whenever I was leaving the building, 
you know, like mm-hmm. late afternoon, early evening, yeah. the temperatures had really dropped from yeah. 99 that I was expecting at that point. Yeah, that really got us. Yeah, we had it too. We had that record. You had a chance. <laughs> and we dropped all the way from 99 to 92 in like 10 minutes. And then the rest of the day just hovered around 90, 92. Sorry, folks. It seems very <laughs> unlikely we're going to get to 100 this time around. That's Maybe true. next year. Yeah, there's hope. Yeah. yeah. That's good. <laughs> Did you guys see, see the status on El Nino? I have not, actually. What What's going on? I don't know. I mean, other than that, they've officially declared that it's the second strongest that they've ever measured. So, that's... Who knows? Early projections could be, yeah. could be a crazy El Nino this year. Mm-hmm. El Nino, Shmino, it's a PDO that you got to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> nah, we don't care about that. It's inter- that. That does bring an interesting point, though, because mm-hmm. so many people do talk about the El Nino, but so few people talk about the PDO, the Pacific Decade Loss. I told you, it's all in the name. It's you come be... up with a catchy name for your thing, it's going to be popular. All right. El Pedio. They should have called it like. <laughs> yeah, let's make it a Spanish name. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Pedio, it's just. It doesn't roll off the tongue very well. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's approaching 1997 levels. Wow. That's, That's impressive. That is impressive. Yeah. yeah. So let's we'll see what the implications might be. Well, so far, California has really taken the brunt of it in terms of how dry it's been out there. But, but I did, but I did uh, read that 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 uh, long term long range forecasters are hopeful that California will start to uh, receive more rain moving forward. So we'll see if that confirms. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, because they've been bone dry ever since the spring. Yeah, I, I look at the. Ooh. The forecast models and like every run, it's like you got 15 days, like the accumulated precipitation. <laughs> yeah. It's like this big hole all around California. <laughs> it's like everyone else gets precip. Yeah, not California. California. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that persistent ridge over right. the eastern North Pacific. Right. Mm-hmm. I guess it's connected to that blob, I guess, or something. I don't know. Yeah. But. Oh, don't! That's a lot of media media articles that I was reading were basically questioning how the blob is going to interact with El Nino. Right. Yeah, I saw that. (laughs) Like, this may have never happened before. Right. Well, I mean, in in recent history, so you know what's going to happen when North Pacific's also super warm. Right. Well, eventually, what should what should start to happen is as as we start to. cool off here, we should start to see the, the subtropical jet shift in, in its path. And so once that happens, California should start to get impacted. And usually, and in most El Nino years, that's usually resulted in an extremely active weather pattern for the southeastern United States. Because usually what, what normally happens is these areas of low pressure form off the subtropical jet stream, which, is, which, is, which usually occurs over uh, southern Texas and then moves over the Gulf of Mexico and then ejects off to the northeast and moves into the moves inland in the southeast and then along the, uh, along the eastern United States and paralleling the coastline. So 
May, many of the most intense winter seasons for the uh, the Mid-Atlantic states and New England have been during El Nino years, strangely enough. So, I would uh, I would expect for those areas to get leveled with snowfall if this intense El Nino confirms. They're probably hoping. Yeah. I'm sure some places are, but I'm sure Boston's not one of those places. Yeah. <laughs> they could use a year off. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like they already got impacted by El Nino based on the numbers they received last year. <laughs> or this past oh, yeah, that's right. snow season. Yeah, that's they right. received well over 100 inches of snow this past year. Yeah, I think... I don't think well over. My friend in... I mean, I know they got over 100. Yeah, Boston got like... How much did they end up with? I think we ended up passing them. Yeah, Boston had close to 100 inches, I think. Boston. And then we passed them up, I think. Yeah, and (laughs) there was no media attention. No. Not for Boulder. No. That's that's like, just like any other season. (laughs) Yeah. Although DIA barely broke 50, I think. Yeah, poor poor Denver. You don't get any snow. Well, that's what happens. I mean, the the trends are pretty localized. Whenever you're near the, whenever yeah. you're near complex topography like this. Yeah. Or graphic specialist Matt Steiner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So after that warm stretch we had early this week Monday, we had a, a cold front move through. Well, we had a series of cold fronts this week. But yeah, the first, but the first one, one, yeah. The first one brought a lot of uh, wildfire smoke yeah. to the foothills. So we've been under this pattern where we've constantly been having southwesterly flow. And that finally gave us a shot at northwesterly, northerly flow. Yeah, yeah. So Monday was just crazy. It was, it was yeah. like pretty surprising. Mm-hmm. Was, I mean, I guess we yeah. should have seen it coming. Right. With the amount of wildfires that are burning across the northwest. Yeah, it's a lot. But the smoke's been sticking around all week. Yeah. I wonder what that can, how that contributes to our weather. I mean, do you think it impacts high temperatures at all? I don't, I don't think know. it's thick enough. But... It definitely makes good for good sunsets, but I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it would keep the temperature from dropping off at night? I don't know. More aerosols? I don't know. What would that do? I don't know, it did get really cold, though, this week. Like, it got to 46 one morning. Yeah. So, I don't know. But that was a pretty... That was a potent system. <laughs> that was a potent cold front, yeah. So, yeah, that was Monday... When was that? Um, Monday night was the, the secondary cold front. The, the powerful oh, one. Oh, okay. Yes. Sunday night... And then Tuesday night... Or Saturday was... night was the weaker one. Oh, Saturday night? Oh, yeah. Man, because Saturday was 99 and Sunday was only 86. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I think, yeah, I was at, I was at the Rockies game on Sunday, and I think we were, we approached 90, but didn't quite get there. But, yeah. Hmm. Sunday, so we got some clouds and rain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we got some sprinkles during the game, but nothing, mm-hmm. nothing intense. So. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty hazy on Monday. Like taking the bus, I was like, whoa, I can't even see the foothills. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you guys see that time lapse I posted today? No. no. Guys, slacking. <laughs> Likewise. Word calls. Let me bring it up. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> yeah, I had some free time. Just look at this cool time lapse from Monday. 
check it out. I, uh, I'll post it on Bouldercast so the, the listeners can check it out. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah, I think they would like it. It's only six seconds long. <laughs> and it covers an entire day. Yeah. <laughs> sure, it looks pretty spectacular, though. Yeah, for some reason, the internet's really slow right now. Yeah. <clears throat> I wonder why that could is. It could just be my computer. Yeah. Those cold fronts this week were nice. I mean, it was a nice taste of oh, fall. Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> there was some snow, did you guys see? I heard there was a forecast for snow. What did they get? So we were predicting maybe an inch or two of snow in Boulder County. Really? Above, above what, 9,000? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. But I don't know what anything got, but I saw places had dustings. Yeah, I like saw. A, like above 10,000? Yeah. I, I I saw some pictures of that as, as well. Just, just again, just like minor accumulation. I think I saw a picture of, of a snowman on, on one of the peaks. Really? In the mountains. Wow. Yeah. Guess enough snow fell in some places. That's impressive. Yeah. Reminds me of ski season coming up. I know. It's on I'm... the horizon, guys. Be ready. Summer's Next... about to come to an end, and we'll, we'll all be thinking about skiing again. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was a pretty powerful system. Yeah. I mean, it just had a lot of cold air in the backside. Yeah. Did, yeah it was... I mean, not cold, but cool for August. Mm-hmm. Definitely. What did we mean? Well, that Monday, we... uh during the afternoon is whenever some pretty intense convection started to develop, and I and I was I was in Westminster during that time. Yeah, that's right. And uh, tornado it, watch. It basically, yeah, basically the storm formed right over me, and it dumped a decent amount of rain for about forty five minutes, and then just moved off to the southeast and. I think it produced a couple tornadoes down near Parker. So, yep, a couple weak tornadoes, but still. Yep, I think there was even one tornado over the mountains. Mm-hmm. I forget the exact city, but it was somewhere along. Uh, let's see, it would have been south of I seventy. It's maybe like near Evergreen. Yeah, but yeah, it was pretty good. Pretty yeah. good conditions for tornadoes Absolutely. for August. Mm-hmm. And then it ended up basically just forming, you know, a bow echo, I guess. Yeah. Some straight line winds. Exactly. As it moved east, and there wasn't much in the way of tornado warnings after the initial few supercells formed. Right. Most of the reports, from what I remember, were, were wind reports coming yeah. out of it. So. Boulder got spared that day. Yeah. There was some concern. We were thinking maybe mm-hmm. something would happen here. Yeah, they had a tornado watch until 8 or 9. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, the actual storm line eventually formed the uh, the uh, big Street big line. line of storms moved over Boulder, but it was just some sprinkles. Mm-hmm. And you could see it on the uh, composite radar. <laughs> it looked, you know, kind of looked compress- impressive, but then at the surface there was nothing. Yeah, it was relatively dry mm-hmm. at the surface. I don't think we were getting it on some of the moisture they had to the east. Mm-hmm. Like maybe. our dew points didn't bust over sixty like they had. Maybe right. some of that, uh, some of that wildfire smoke played a role. Here's this time lapse. Check this out. Oh wow, there it is. Oh, it's buffering. Oh, it's slow. <laughs> Bring us back. Oh my goodness. Oops. All right. It comes in like waves. Yeah, it does. 
Mm-hmm. I let this buffer out, but it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's almost like it's like it's almost like the instability is building, so more clouds are forming, and then they go away for a time, and then they come back. It's almost like a wave motion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait. It was pretty cool. Oops. The flat arms just disappear at times. <laughs> Pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah, this, this is um, borderflatironcam.com. Nice. Which is what we use on our website. <laughs> with Very expressed good. written permission from the owners. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the smoke's been pretty fierce. Yeah. I have a friend that lives in Montana, Adam. <laughs> Uh, he's he they've been having um like smoke advisories it makes sense and it says yeah. it's pretty thick there i don't know like it's not even thick enough here to get a smoke advisory i don't know how mm-hmm. thick it would have to be oh i know pretty like it's pretty serious yeah yeah so like five feet in front of you <laughs> <laughs> but so we're also having last week we broke our dry streak yeah yeah so we had a 24-day streak with no rain. Wow. In the middle of summer? In the middle of an El Nino summer? Yeah. <laughs> kind, of, kind of bizarre. Yeah, it was really mm-hmm. kind of weird, that ridge. Adios, monsoon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it got, really got pushed west. Yeah. Into Utah, I think, made out pretty, maybe a little better. Right. <laughs> yeah. And Arizona, I know, has been getting a decent amount of rain. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But... Did you guys see this picture? <laughs> Just the smoke from the northwest. From Modus. Hmm. Here's Seattle. It's upside down. <laughs> yeah, you can see all the fires where they're coming from. Yeah. They're just yeah. everywhere and there's just big boils. Hey, you know, yeah, Washington State, Oregon, they've also been pretty dry. So. Not just California. Yeah, yeah. It's not just California we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, the media's really hyping it up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean obviously California's always gonna get most yeah. of the coverage. But I mean we're talking about much of the Western United States that has been very dry, receiving well below their average precipitation for the year. I mean they already receive so little precipitation in most of these areas, with the exception of the of the coastal areas of Washington State, Oregon, and California for the most part. So, I mean, it's it's kind of scary when, when you think about it. See the drop monitor? Yeah, it's like basically California all the way up to yeah. Washington. California, I guess, is the worst. But up here is bad, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seemed like they reduced the severity over California. Yeah. Which is surprising because they really they haven't actually, gotten anything. They have got rain though. I guess that they have. I forget a where. I there was mudslide concerns I saw oh. a couple weeks ago, 10 days ago. Even more of an unmentionable Puerto Rico man. Extreme drought. Wow. Well, <laughs> in a tropical island. Well, you know, they they may get some relief in <laughs> yeah. in a bad way actually. Yeah. And we'll uh, get into that in just a sec yeah <laughs> but yeah basically everywhere else well texas is getting the drought again looks like <laughs> and louisiana good old louisiana and a little yeah. spot in miami 
Yeah. Florida. What about that little bit of rain we had on Wednesday night? Last night. Was it last night? You mean Tuesday night? Um, maybe. Yeah, maybe Tuesday night. Yeah, Tuesday night. I think it was Tuesday. Tuesday night, there was a little bit of fall, like, upslope flow. Yeah, that was, that was nice. It was kind of a little, you could see the jet streak, kind of, kind of the way the snow bands look Mm -hmm. in the winter. You could see Mm -hmm. it was just like these narrow banded precipitations that kind of hit or miss overnight. Yeah. It wasn't, didn't have much moisture to work with, but we ended up getting 0.3. Oh, wow. And Denver got like zero. <laughs> so it was very local. Like South Denver got zero. But yeah, a lot of the front range, especially from Boulder North, got a lot. That was the day there was snow in the high country. But yeah, that was a pretty good taste of fall for everybody. Yeah, it was a nice feeling. Yeah, definitely. So that was just a big Pacific storm system. Yeah, which... Kind of swinging yeah. down. Kind of how we expect things to roll in September. Uh-huh. Or yeah. October. Definitely. Yeah. Sometimes really cut that ridge down. <laughs> it did. Like, <laughs> yeah. That same system moved through Missouri, and I think it might have spawned some severe weather in Missouri, uh, that cold front. But yeah, just a random fact there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that, yeah. So um, now St. Louis is in the low 80s, so it's gorgeous weather. Yeah. <laughs> I would imagine. Hey, what about here? Well, yeah, I mean, we it's much only, nicer here. Yeah, we had a nice yeah, even nicer here. But yeah, I talked to my parents last night, and they're like, "Well, we actually opened up. We don't have to turn the air on." They said I was getting to the upper fifties overnight. Wow! And they're like, "What's it doing in Boulder?" I'm like, "We got to the mid forties. Like, whoa!" Yeah, <laughs> we yeah we, we set some. Did uh did Bouldercast set some uh, record lows? Well, everyone's a record low. Uh, technically, that's true. <laughs> we have no other data. Well, were there other were there other record lows in the area? Um, I imagine there were some. I don't think Boulder got any. Right. Because I think we needed to get to forty three. That night. Oh wow! That was that's Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we only got officially, I think, to forty. Actually, I didn't even check. We only got. I only got the forty five at Bouldercast. Right. Still pretty chilly. Yeah, it was cold. Mm-hmm. And then, then the following night, we dipped into the forties again. I think. Yeah, upper forties. But that was that was really nice. And now we are probably back in the fifties for lows tonight. Um. Yeah, but our next cold front's coming Saturday. Oh yes. Yep. <laughs> we have another interesting <laughs> set of weather to come up. <laughs> Becoming more active, you can you can kind of see the transition starting mm-hmm. to take place where yeah. the fronts are making a further south push. You know, especially in the Midwest, right? When they would tend to stall out, so right? Like, yeah, over mm-hmm. like Iowa or something. Yeah, because it doesn't have the upper level support that it would usually have. Yeah, but th- that trough that moved through here this week, it was really impressive. Pretty, pretty. Pumped. It looked like a September yeah track or something, which makes me. Ask, Ooh. when do you guys think the first snow of the season is going to be this year? Last yeah. year in Westminster, I got mm-hmm. a dusting of snow in late September. I think it was September 22nd or 23rd. Dude, earlier than that. Earlier Last year was the earliest snow on record. Was it? I think. Wasn't it? Here in Boulder as well? Oh, I think it was I September know. 11th or oh, 12th. Wow. That's amazing. 
Um, we didn't get any more until actually, like I, I can have it. I have it right here. Because I'm already on this. Um, yeah, last year. Well, I'm not showing up. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I must have been out snowed. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, it wasn't a lot of snow. Right? Yeah, it wasn't I much. I mean, we're talking about a trace. Yeah. Maybe. An inch Tense at most. Sure. Yeah. 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 But still something. So, so still I don't know when I think the first snow will be. I, I mean, would, I would say early October. Yeah. I and mean, that's a standard answer, you know, well, every year almost. I mean, technically the, the first snow of the season around along the front range is usually around Halloween. Isn't that correct? Yeah. The first any snow. Right. Mm-hmm. Or in an El Nino year. We're now Nino. Could mean less frequent, bigger snows. Yeah, that's true. So, I think a couple years ago we were in a, a week El Nino. We had that big October blizzard. Twenty yeah. inches not in like October twenty third or fourth. Amazing. Knocked all the trees down. That was twenty eleven, huh? Or twenty ten? Twenty eleven, I think. Was it the, was it the first pictures. year we were here? Uh, no, it wasn't the first year. Because that first year we didn't get much. So what that and I was mean? like frustrated that I didn't get yeah. <laughs> Did that mean school closures for CU Boulder? It, it was the next year because we took Asano's forecasting course. And I oh. talked about that storm during the course. Oh, did you? And I had that photo of like the huge okay. tree branch limb down. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Which was really nice. Did you forecast for that much snow? I don't know if I forecast. Uh... Oh yeah, I had a, we had a contest. I don't yeah. think we had a forecast. Yet, I emailed Cassano and I was like, "We should do a contest." Oh yeah, predict predict snow amount for the Boulder, dude. Boulder in Denver. Evan Queen did like fifteen point oh seven inches of snow. <laughs> oh my goodness! It was like eight point oh seven. It was yeah. funny because he used like hundreds of an inch for snow forecast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's very he's very specific with his numbers. Yeah, Evan, if you're listening, we're sorry, but that was funny. <laughs> but didn't he win the forecast contest or yeah for radiometrics oh well yeah he he won it for that but whenever he was in the the for in the weather forecast uh, class i don't know who won did evan win i think he said he won for i don't know i took it twice i think he said he won for boston maybe did i take it twice i think i took it twice yeah i don't know I've taken it once, so you could take it six times. Six times? Yeah, I think up to wow. six, if you want. <laughs> Just get credit, and it's kind of fun. Yeah, I enjoy it. You, you, you mean you learn more about forecasting? That's true. Because you get decent discussion in there. It's not exceptional discussion. Depends no. who you have. Everyone's kind of timid. I agree. And Kassan just kind of rambles. Right. But it's good because he has a lot of knowledge. That's very true. But, okay, so record lows. Who's interested? Record lows for this week. Um, do we have record lows? Yeah, Boulder. I'm pretty sure Denver had it. All right, we needed 43 on the 19th, and we got 44. Oh, so close. We needed, on the 18th, 48, and we got 52. I am close. And we needed, we, had, we got 47 on the 20th. And we needed 
47. Tied it. Tied it. Beautiful. Today, actually. This Very morning, nice. I guess. Wow. Was it really 47 this morning? Yeah. It was still chilly, man. We warmed up nicely, though. Did Bordercast get last night? He did, it? yeah. It was upper the, 80s, I guess. Yeah, it was a beautiful day today. Yeah. We rebounded nicely. Tomorrow's our... supposed to be a good day as well. What? How, there's no way it was 47 today. Oh, that goes back to the other day, too. Oh, I see. Because it goes... Zero Z to zero Z. Right, okay. So yeah. that had from six PM yesterday to six PM six, today. Yeah, six to six. But that still doesn't make sense. Difference. No. Man, that border got cold last night. I only got down to fifty two. Yeah, it didn't seem that cold in Westminster last night, so I don't know. What no, it got down to forty seven somehow. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Good stuff. Huh. Was there a front today? Anyone notice? Look at this thing. It was like 88 and then dropped down to 84. Huh. And the dew point took a sharp increase and there was a wind direction shift. Wow, interesting. And there was a gust. <laughs> maybe just a, maybe huh. just a weak front or some kind of weak front. Right. Yeah, yeah surface shock or something. Maybe. Yeah. I have to look at the time lapse, see if I can correlate that with the pulse of smoke. <laughs> maybe there's a weak outflow somewhere. Wow, there was no storms around today. That was weird. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So, should we get on to this topic you're going to talk about? Um, well, we can start with a <laughs> tropical update. Yeah, and yeah, we'll, I'll be brief. And then I can roll into the similarly related topic. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, so what do we got going on? So, uh, as I as I mentioned earlier, um, about a month ago, whenever I released an article on bulbercast.com. I uh, talked about the for, my, my forecast for the hurricane season, and I, and I predicted we'd get about eight named storms, the three of them being hurricanes, and none of those hurricanes being a major hurricane, which, again, a major hurricane is defined as a hurricane that has winds that qualify of at least Category 3 strength or higher. So now, so what we have now is... Is that your definition or the official definition? It is the official <laughs> definition. Whatever Steiner says is the official definition. It is absolutely the official definition. And yes, it's funny because Andy, Andy and I had a debate about this earlier. Oh. <laughs> but anyway, okay. so now we... Uh, so earlier this week we had a, a storm form over the eastern Atlantic Ocean, and it has since moved off, moved slowly off to the west at roughly anywhere from 10 to 15 miles per hour, and it has, over the past couple days, strengthened from a tropical depression to now a very weak hurricane. It, it's currently moving since the last, since, since the latest advisory, it's moving to the west-northwest at 10 miles per hour, with maximum sustained winds of 80 miles per hour. And it is expected. Yes, especially over the past 24 hours. And it is expected to remain a hurricane over the next 24 to 36 hours or so before weakening back to a tropical storm 
and by the time it reaches the Lesser Antilles and and then Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic, it's still expected to remain a tropical storm. But of course, whenever whenever we talk about these tropical cyclones, the uncertainty becomes extremely high the further out you go, especially whenever all the computer models are predicting different things. Yeah. And so and so at this point, this is just a a best guess. Mm-hmm. So there's obviously a lot of things they can do. But at this time, it is a, a Category 1 hurricane. It It isn't the largest of hurricanes that I've ever seen. We're, certainly, we're not talking about a Katrina here. Mm-hmm. But again, we, we still are talking about a hurricane. So the, the biggest risk for people that are planning the vacation in, over the Lesser Antilles or into the Caribbean islands is usually s- strong seas, gust- gusty winds that can come from the periphery of the hurricane, or if you are in the middle of the path, then obviously heavy rain, storm surge, and s- strong winds, and even tornadoes. So you certainly... So you said the hurricane wind diameter was like 10 miles? So, so, the, stor- so the size of the storm is... Extremely small, mm-hmm. relatively speaking. It's one of the smallest hurricanes I've ever seen. Wow. So as far as like just the entire convection area? Exactly. Or the whole eye, as far as far everything. as as far as the convec as far as how far the convection stretches out from the center mm-hmm. of the storm or the vortex, mm-hmm. it's not it's not very big. We're talking at the on the at the current moment, we're talking about winds of 80 mile of hurricane force strength only stretching out about 10 miles in every <laughs> single quadrant of the storm wow. so not very far out from the center i mean the odds of that hitting one of those caribbean islands would be really small yeah correct <laughs> but if again if it's a Point direct hit, yeah then they could still play a heavy role yeah but if you compare that to a hurricane katrina where the hurricane force winds stretched roughly a hundred miles out mm-hmm. from the center of the storm in whatever quadrant you were in, mm-hmm. we're talking about a significant difference here. And tropical storm force winds <laughs> extending out even more than a hundred miles beyond the hurricane force winds, we're talking about a substantially mm-hmm. larger hurricane mm-hmm. than the hurricane that we currently have. In at bay. So, yeah. So, let's be honest, there's no chance it's going to make it to America. Yeah, what are you, what are you thinking? It's tough to say right now. I mean, sir, sir, the, the current conditions of the hurricane show that there's not a whole lot of wind shear to, yeah. uh, to weaken the storm. However, it has been shown and it has been forecasted that there's some Saharan dust that may play a role in intruding some dry air. Mm-hmm into the hurricane, which certainly could affect it and weaken it moving forward. And also the fact that it should start to experience more wind shear as it moves slowly off to the west, but then it is expected to pick up a little bit of speed as it approaches the Lesser Antilles and Caribbean (laughs) islands. So, but yeah, you're right. I, I wouldn't expect this thing to make it to the United States, but again... Any kind of... Well, form. you know, again, it could, I mean, by the time it makes it into the, into the Gulf, 
because yeah. at, at this time it it does suggest there there is suggestion that shows that maybe this thing reaches the Gulf of Mexico. It could still be an open wave and provide some tropical moisture. So in some way, I think it could still impact the United States. Yeah, as a tropical cyclone remains to be seen. Who knows? But so far this year, the wind shear in the Gulf of Mexico has been pretty intense. So it would be it would be difficult for me to think that this, a tropical cyclone would have any chance of survival in the Gulf of Mexico. But we shall see. Yeah, yeah. It's still so we are moving into the peak of hurricane season. Peak of hurricane season, September twelfth. Yeah. So keep your eyes open. There's still plenty of time. The hurricane season. Goes up, goes until the end of November. November thirtieth is the official last day. But of course, we've had hurricane seasons where storms have formed well beyond that day. So nothing is for certain. But yeah. it's, again, it's just I just think it's amazing how they have like these tropical waves come off of Africa, right? And they can like immediately spin up into a hurricane, right? Yeah. And then it's another two to three weeks, maybe. Two weeks before mm-hmm. it gets to them, even close to the United States, right? You can just track it the whole way across. Exactly, it's like kind of where we live in. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's, it's amazing. And it's really amazing how these tropical waves just form one after the other. And back in the two in the early twenty in early twenty first century in the two thousands, every single year we were talking about these tropical waves forming one after the other and making their way across the Atlantic. And making landfall in the United States. So certainly right now we're talking about a much different situation. Whoa. I mean, that's really relevant for our talk today. <laughs> so uh, Tropical so, Depression 3C. Oh boy. Here we go. In the Central Pacific. Oh wow. 3C. Yeah. It's only their third of the year. Mm. But look at this. It's storm Hurricane heading for Hawaii. That would be rare. It's going for uh, Kauai, too. <laughs> so, did you have any more thing more else? Anything else? That pretty much wraps up the tropical update. I mean, certainly if, if El Nino were to confirm as a strong El Nino, then statistics would suggest that we should continue to see a very inactive pattern in the Atlantic Ocean. Mm-hmm. And so, we're only at four named storms so far, and... We still have about roughly half the season to go, and so maybe, I mean, based on based on the current forecast, we pretty good shape. I'm expecting another four, mm-hmm. with maybe a couple of those becoming hurricanes. So we'll see yeah. how it goes. We'll look to you for guidance. Yep, <laughs> I'll be here. <laughs> so while we had you on the show, Matt, we wanted to discuss a little bit more about hurricanes as our topic of the week. Yeah. Topic of the week. So, um, I cannot remember the storm that went towards Hawaii like 10 days ago. Mm-hmm. But they were forecasting, it was in another storm that I think spawned in the eastern Pacific and then moved in the central Pacific. Okay. And basically it was making a beeline for Hawaii and they were worried there was going to be you know, significant problems. Yeah. Because Hawaii's not really necessarily prepared for hurricanes. Oh, right, right. Um, but, thankfully, <laughs> the storm turned at the very last second and went south of Hawaii. Okay. 
And it was a tropical storm at the time anyway. But So this brings up a good point. There's a lot of research as to why does Hawaii have kind of this invincibility to tropical cyclones. <laughs> well, I think part... I mean, certainly one, one of the reasons is because the the water temperatures start start to cool off as you approach Hawaii. So, so near near the Mexican mainland, mm-hmm. th- those waters are significantly warmer. But as you as you approach as you approach Hawaii, the, the water temperatures certainly cool off, and so that yeah. that would be the most obvious reason. Yeah. So that. when you look at this kind of climatological sea surface temperatures. You see, yeah, it's, you know, south of Hawaii, it's in the 80s, mm-hmm. and even warmer. But right over Hawaii, there's a really sharp gradient dropping mm-hmm. into the 70s, and even the low 70s north of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, so that would explain why storms may or may weaken right. as they approach Hawaii, which makes sense. That kind of pretty right. much happens generally. Because, again, I mean, Hawaii Hawaii's at a very low latitude, and so you're not... You're not really going to be talking about much in the way of in the way of wind shear, especially especially in the, in the summertime, whenever the jet streams are well off to the north. So that usually won't play a role. But so there actually is shear there. So there there actually is some shear in this system, or no? In climatologically, there is decently strong upper level winds. Over Hawaii. Oh, really? Okay. I'm going to try and find the figure. But, <laughs> yes. Um, so, at the surface, you got your easterlies. What do you think? I can't find the figure I'm looking for. I guess that'd be a subtropical jet. This wasn't here. Subtropical jet, right? Uh, it would have to be, yeah. Some type of... Yeah, who knows? I don't know where it is, but that was one of the factors as well, that there's often this stretch of shear. So you're talking like oh, about maybe right. like an atmospheric river? Or... Um, so here's kind of an example. So we see... Can you tell what's going on there? Let's see. They're showing the upper level winds and the lower level winds. What do each of the arrows represent? Oh, the winds aloft and the purple are upper level winds and green are surface trade winds. Trade winds, okay. So I mean, there's directional shear, but <laughs> um, yeah, and you can see the temperature, the cool waters. So I guess per I guess perhaps since the uh, since the upper since the upper level winds are, are moving from the west. And and depending how strong depending on how strong they are, and usually your westerly winds are gonna are gonna be associated with pretty a pretty strong upper level flow. Yeah, just some kind of subtropical feature. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but yeah, the one paper was basically bringing shear into it. Hmm. That's a climatological place for oh, shear in August. 
Okay. Yeah, this is for August. Maybe it was this paper. No, it was a different one. Is it just for August? Um, well, that's what they showed. Um, but, whoops, so here's... So, there's been question whether there's something else about Hawaii that makes storms generally miss or weaken some kind of invulnerability. Mm -hmm. Where was that? Now, it is interesting that in in the past, especially the past couple of years, storms have formed and it seems like they've been tracking towards Hawaii and then in the last second or, you know, a a day before landfall seems to turn one way or the other. No, yeah. So there were so there was some research done on whether this was some type of topographic response to the thirteen thousand mountain peak peak mountains in right. Hawaii. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you, do you guys think that would be possible with the wind flow around thirteeners coming out of the ocean <laughs> uh, to steer a hurricane? I guess so. Because I mean, we have all the tracks here for the last fifty years. And and it looks like almost all of them have. And they have some type of like this one's just making a beeline for Hawaii, then it curves around, right? <laughs> but the one place that has been vulnerable is Kauai, right? Which has got three major hurricane landfalls almost yeah, in the last like fifty it. years, right? So, but that's a super small island and it doesn't have that big of mountains, right? You know, three three to four thousand feet, I think, right? So it's nothing like the big island. But even still, it doesn't, doesn't look like any of these hurricanes were the strong, the strong variety. Yeah, I mean that's that's another general thing that with that cooler water and shear, mm-hmm. you're not going to have mm-hmm. incredible hurricanes. I mean, I would say, I would say the, the the big. I think the biggest factor may. I mean, certainly the shear probably plays some role, but I think the biggest factor here is water temperature. Because you because usually if you don't have water temperatures warmer than 80, 80 degrees Fahrenheit at the bare minimum, then it's going to be difficult to form relatively strong hurricanes. I mean, you usually I mean if you compare that if yeah. you compare that to a, a Katrina or, or an Ivan or or a Charlie, then the those hurricanes experienced water temperatures in the 90s. So, go back to that figure. What? So, I guess if you have trade winds, is it trade winds? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Southeasterly. Yep. Yep. Then yeah. If they flow towards Hawaii, they're going to want to go around it, like either in this direction or this direction with the wind, with the mountain, I guess. Yeah. So, that maybe that would. Help deflect the the hurricane. Yeah, possibly. It would maybe change the low I mean, level wind yeah. direction. I guess. I mean, it's, yeah, you're coming up from the ocean, and there's thirteen thousand foot mountain <laughs> right in front of you. You got to go around it. It's yeah. going to go around it or over it. Someone's going to go over. Yeah. yeah. I would think the more likely scenario would would be for the storm to recurve to the north more so than to the south. Mm-hmm. And it, and it does seem like that is the that is the uh, general consensus for most of these storms. Yeah, I mean there there are a few. Obviously, there 
appear to be a few exceptions, and it begs to wonder how intense those. Remember, these super were. thin lines are tropical depressions or nothing. Okay, <laughs> I don't know why they even have this. Huh, interesting. <laughs> I guess remnants. Or so really, there's only. Yeah, I think this one maybe. Whatever that is, and then these three hurricanes hit Kauai. Well, here yeah, yeah it kind of reminds me of if you have water flowing down a river and you have like a rock in the way, mm-hmm. the water is going to want to go, yeah, sort of create like a wake on the other side, but then like around it, right? So I mean, it kind of looks like that. It looks like some of the major ones just kind of go. Sort yeah, of. That one was crazy. <laughs> yeah, that one's like, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then curved and hit Kauai. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, there could be some connection there, in addition to where, the wind shear and low SSTs. Right. Where is the intertropical convergence zone during this time? South of there. So it's well I think it, it, it goes up and down between negative 10 and positive 10. Right. So, why is it, what, 20? Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. That's um, right. Yeah, 50, why is it, yeah, 20, exactly. So it would be north of the intertropical convergence zone at that time. So perhaps the one, perhaps the northeasterly trades act to sometimes steer the storm towards the south, and then other other times maybe Coriolis force acts to steer the storm more towards a northerly component. And depending on which one is stronger, it overcomes the other one. Yeah, that's a good point. Wow. Okay, this is bad. (laughs) I thought this was a legitimate article, but no. It gets crazy. Okay. (laughs) Hurricanes need heat. The volcanoes are sitting, waiting to absorb heat. Interesting. <laughs> what does that even mean? What? Not really sure. The uh, volcanoes are waiting to absorb heat. <laughs> oh wow. I don't know. Okay, I've just lost all credibility. But this other article is good. It's from the US Geological Survey. Yeah, we can believe that. This one's good. <laughs> yeah. But so this was the worst hurricane in Hawaii history, Hurricane Aniki. Coincidentally in the same year as Andrew. Oh, wow. And probably didn't get any attention. It went right through Kauai as a Category 2 or 3. Wow. Wow. And it's taking a northerly trajectory almost. Yep. Oh, my goodness. I've never seen that. Whoops. Dude, what does that look like right here, though? Yeah. <laughs> this The hurricane currently forecast for it to hit, maybe hit Hawaii. Wow. Isn't that amazing? It's gonna be an H right there. Yeah, it's taking. It's going. It's it's avoiding where the cooler water actually right. is. It's actually staying in the warm water and right. curling around. That it's at a pretty low latitude. I mean, yeah, we we can see we can Ten. see hurricanes at, at that latitude for sure. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. But we'll be seeing on I guess Monday or Tuesday. So yeah, making landfall maybe maybe near Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Skeptical of this massive curve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. Well, what's it going to get swept up by? That's the question. Yeah. Huh. 
I guess there's some kind of... That's a hard right turn. Unless there's some sort of a trough, trough feature out there that, that's going to deflect it to the north. Yeah. Ooh, that might have been why what happened to the other one. Yeah, that's Maybe it was nice. a big trough over here. And it just like... Mm-hmm. But that's interesting. So yeah, a Niki. I forget the damage on a Niki. But basically, no one in Hawaii actually had hurricane insurance. Wow. It was actually, no, it was included in their homeowner's insurance. Oh, was it? Because it was such a cheap, you know, they figured it would never happen. Why not just tack it on? Right. But after Aniki hit Kauai, and then it started splitting off and being its own separate, unaffordable plan. (laughs) And. Now I see that this article is a blog post by someone in Hawaii trying to convince FEMA that Hawaii is immune to hurricanes. <laughs> How about that? So they could save money on homeowners insurance. Oh, probably. wow. Because <laughs> once you get declassified by FEMA or something, that's where the insurance people maybe get it. I don't know. Right. It seems like that's where she was going with that. Well, I suppose whatever it takes to try and lower the rates. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, insurance companies seem to make so much money. Yeah, and then this this U.S. Geological Survey also did a study that said the biggest impact for Hawaii since so few impacts are actually direct that they have to worry about flooding from waves. <laughs> and there's very rarely wind damage. Right. And apparently, if you don't have if you have a hurricane that only does water damage, you can't claim this. It claims under flooding and not hurricanes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I don't know what that means. <laughs> have to have flood insurance? Yeah, so yeah, that would be flood insurance. And yeah. it has to be accompanied by wind for the hurricane insurance to actually kick in. You want a lot of stuff about insurance. That's an interesting point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they, but since Hawaii is so small, it doesn't actually get storm surge. Right. Because remember, storm surge is the hurricane pushing water up against the land that's right so it just gets kind of wave flooding which is very kind of localized well i'm sure if it's wave flooding that means it moves well inland then yeah i guess (laughs) kind of like a tsunami in a way yeah that's true i think hawaii elevation increases pretty rapidly that's true inland it's not like florida oh right yeah no it's yeah, yeah, I imagine. I don't know, though. Shelf. Yeah, I don't know. But Hawaii's pretty cool. You gotta, you gotta go there someday. Yeah. Yeah. Don't go to Kauai in hurricane season. No, don't. Chances are you'll get hit. <laughs> yep, just statistically speaking, more likely. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty cool. But yeah, so, I don't know. These are mostly just theories about why Hawaii might be immune. Well, not immune, but protected. There's something that's causing these storms to bend around Hawaii. Yeah. I think there's some truth to it. Yeah. Well, I thought it was pretty interesting. I mean, you know, I mean, certainly there are some, there's a bunch of different physical reasons that we could, uh, that we could come up with, but maybe there's truth to all of them. Maybe there's truth to none of them. Yeah. I still don't know the answer. It's a, it's a mystery. Some some research for you, Matt. Yeah, PhD. <laughs> I wonder if I'd have to completely change my track if I, if I run the work run the work model over Hawaii. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Do it for a hundred years and just right. see what happens. <laughs> just just let it go. 
Let it run. <laughs> yeah, we'll hopefully be seeing some increase in hurricane activity. But the peak coming up. Yeah. I saw there was two areas of interest over the Atlantic as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just really low chances, but we'll have to monitor. I mean, you know, you, you always you always take those area those areas of interest with a grain of salt until conditions are very favorable for development there, and then you, you see what happens. Because, but even whenever conditions are favorable, it doesn't necessarily mean that the the wave will get its act together and start spinning up. Yeah. Well, I have to wait and see. We shall. <laughs> but at least for Boulder, we got another cold front coming in. Yeah, it looks nice. This weekend could knock us back 15 degrees. Nothing crazy, <laughs> but did you look at next week? Looks hot. Uh, yeah, I saw that. Unfortunately. Maybe back in <laughs> 90s, <laughs> mid 90s, upper 90s? Oh, 100? Uh, I don't know when we're done. I don't think so. Uh oh. oh but man. we can. We can hope. One can only hope. Let's just see what Moss says. <laughs> Out of curiosity. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, no, nothing crazy on Moss. <laughs> 94. Huh. One day. But, yeah, not bad. Okay. Not so we're safe from 100. <laughs> we'll have to check out the week ahead post. Yeah, we shall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Had a rough week this week. It's. Yes. I think it's going to end up being like that once we get going here into the fall. Yeah, so the, yeah. Just the, in the summer, it's pretty easy to get the patterns because they're almost persistent. Yeah. But yeah, you get all those. You get those fronts moving through, and the timing of those, and precipitation. That's right. Clouds and all those things. Yeah, yeah it's going to be fun. <laughs> It'll be fun. It'll fun be chat. good. Yeah. That's right. It'll be the best chance to be Aki weather and the weather Yeah, chance. we can beat them. <laughs> oh, yeah. We've been destroying them all summer. We can, we can catch up to them. Without a doubt. Um, what bus do you have to get, Matt? Oh, boy. Yeah. Is, there, is there a situation for your, the it's last gonna, skip? It's going to be a fun ride home. I have to take the skip, and then, depending on when the BB gets in, I think I'll probably have to take the... Uh, the last BB bus that will take me home. So <laughs> the last one, really? Should be the last. I think it's probably the last one, unless mm-hmm. unless they've changed the bus schedule. So they come so frequently there, don't they? I guess they, not this time of night. Probably at this not. time of night, I think they only come once in an hour. Okay. Hmm. We should don't need the J. Yeah, the J, you'd be screwed. Right <laughs> the J, oh yeah, the no. J quit running hours ago. No, no J. Yeah, <laughs> I'll definitely. I'll definitely be uh, making making some. I'll be bringing my bike quite frequently coming up this fall. That's whenever, good. Whenever uh, I make the move from Westminster to Longmont, that's good. Yeah, you take that Lobo trail. Yeah, <laughs> get more exercise. Yeah, there it is. This girl's pitching. <laughs> she says. Extended homeowner's insurance covers hurricanes unless you're in a hurricane-prone area, as defined by FEMA. What is a hurricane-prone area? That's what she talks about. (laughs) Um, Hurricane-prone regions, areas vulnerable to hurricanes, 
in the United States and its territories defined as the U.S. Atlantic Ocean, Gulf of Mexico coast, where the basic wind speed is greater than 90 miles per hour. Hawaii, Puerto Rico, Guam, U.S. Virgin Islands, and American Samoa. Yeah, but what? What? For... So that's the problem. It wasn't a hurricane-prone era until Aniki went through. Oh. And FEMA switched the classification, breaking that insurance package off so, of the standard one. So one, so one so it's skyrocketed time, insurance. So one time makes all the difference. Apparently, that's amazing. I mean, I mean because statistically, it may not happen for another hundred years. So yeah, hurricane-prone area was defined as areas that have a chance to exceed wind greater than ninety miles per hour. And then at the end, it just says, oh, yeah, Hawaii, Puerto Rico, Guam, and the U.S. Virgin Islands are also hurricane right. prone, without any, like, research or explanation. There's got to be some sort of way that you can adjust insurance rates based on the percentage potential of experiencing a hurricane in a given area. I mean, it, it doesn't make sense that right after a hurricane hits, the rates should just jump up like that dude that's auto insurance that's every insurance i know but it, it should i mean there's got to be a better way yeah yeah if you have one hurricane that makes you more likely to have other hurricanes that's kind of not necessarily yeah i mean it's not true at all right. it's just statistics yeah if the statistics don't change when you have a hurricane shouldn't if your statistics were originally right. Trust the t- trust the statistics. I mean, if there's a 1% chance of something happening, it could happen once every 100 years. That means that you could have one hurricane. So if it happens... Don't don't think it's going to happen every year. Right. Yeah, so I see, I see where they're coming from. It's right. crazy. But, yeah, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> good story. Well, yeah, good. you guys... Very good. Good talk. You guys have anything else? think we're about to wrap it up. <laughs> I think so. We have a few, a couple of user or uh, viewer questions or oh, listener yeah, questions, good. but we'll that's save those for another time because I don't remember them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Joseph had to answer one of them. Oh, yeah, too, and one so. of them was for Joseph. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't remember. There was one that was related to weather and two yeah. funny ones. <laughs> two funny ones? Yeah. One was about Joseph's taste in women. one was about like colorado weather being crazy and another one was about andy's (laughs) i guess you can answer that one uh but i don't i don't remember the viewer's uh, name he said was that really the first time you had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich were you on that podcast no i wasn't at the very end Somehow we got talking about it. Oh it came out that Andy's never had a PB and J sandwich. You're kidding me! And the viewers like, "How is that possible?" I had so, it like I had it once. Wait, I'll like bring this up. A few months ago. So, so what let me you, bring this up. What do you have to I, eat? We got time. A what few, do you have to eat when you hike a fourteen? That's like the same. one thing to have. A sandwich. Well, you take PB and J. That's sandwich. good. Yeah, I, I eat PB. Like I eat, a ham sandwich, I guess. Ham. <laughs> the ham doesn't go bad. Not usually. Oh, okay. Whoops. <laughs> Maybe I'll have a ham sandwich then. <laughs> my girl, my girlfriend tells me all the time, "Don't bring meats on a hike because chances are the meat's going to go bad by the time you want to eat it." And I'm thinking, really? I, I, I take, I take a sack lunch to 
to work every single day when I do research, and usually it sits there for three to four hours before yeah. I eat it. It tastes just fine. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's safe. I think it's safe, too. <laughs> I think she's crazy. A full day, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> it's just jelly. Right. Oh, I remember Or if it, and it's just ham. Oh, yeah, right. just ham, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, here's the official question. At the end of episode five, Andy admitted that he had never had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. As a frequent PB&J consumer, I would like to know how someone who has grown up in the United States could go his or her entire life without ever consuming a singular peanut butter or jelly sandwich. Even Joseph was outraged. Andy, have you yet to have the pleasure of consuming your first ever PB&J? If so, what were your thoughts on the experience? So, uh, yeah, I never, growing up as a kid, like, I never really, uh, I liked the smell of peanut butter, but I didn't, <laughs> it looked nasty to me or something, so I, like, never had it until I moved out to Colorado. Wow, I can't believe you And don't. so, having that with jelly just seemed nasty, and then, uh, even though, like, my siblings would have it before going to school every year. Pretty much, <laughs> and I, I really like the smell of it. It's really smelly. It smells good. But uh, then I came out here, and I just I had one for the first time like a month or two ago. Yeah. And yeah, to answer your question, that was pretty delectable. It's pretty yeah. delicious. Okay. I haven't had one since, but well, I mean, I, I would make one again for sure. Eric from Austin, Texas, is happy. <laughs> well, here here's a question for you. Have you? Before, before you know, a month or two ago, how many PB sandwiches have you had? Um, zero. Oh, really? <laughs> Even toast? No, I've had peanut butter toast. Did you put... I didn't put them together. Did you put peanut butter on a bagel? I haven't, I but I've, I've, I've oh, thought about it. I actually I thought that. about that's doing weird. that like a few that's days ago. That's what I do, yeah. I either... I put jelly on bagel. Oh, do you? That's pretty weird, too. <laughs> oh, I can see that. Yeah, bagels are meant cream cheese only, nothing else. <laughs> that must be a northeast thing. <laughs> I guess another good thing is to put. Um, Although I do, I do have cream. I do put cream cheese on the bagel too. But go ahead. Andy. Another good thing is my friend from Boston. He puts peanut butter on his pancakes and have coffee with that. Apparently, yeah. it's really good. You didn't do so, it there. It's another good option you could try. No, I haven't tried it, but. It does sound good, you know. Okay. <laughs> it's hard to beat syrup, though. Well, I mean, you know. It's hard yeah. to beat that syrup. It's, it's, it's good. True. It's true. <laughs> Pancakes and waffles. I mean, these days, people are putting anything and everything on them. I mean, cho- I mean, it's like a decade ago, whenever chocolate syrup became a good idea to put on those things, <laughs> and now, now, now it's being sold at every single restaurant that sells pancakes and waffles. Yeah, like like the chocolate chip. Pancakes, right? Exactly. <laughs> Those are really good. They're they're pretty interesting. So it's a good question, and uh, hopefully Joseph will be back next time, and we can have him answer that yeah. question. We'll get to the rest of your questions, but we're running a little long today, so yeah, we are. We'll save it for next time. Keep Definitely. sending us, keep sending us your comments and questions, and it'll make great talk for a future podcast. Yeah, yeah. Well, so. We'll be hiking this weekend. Some yeah. more 14ers. Hopefully the weather cooperates. If our listeners are hiking, just yep. be safe. Don't be caught in the storm like we did. Yep. Start early. Very early. 
Yeah. Mount me scuba diving. Class. Yeah. Scuba class. In a pool? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, should be fun. You gotta start somewhere. First experience. Get your training wheels, and next time you can take them off and (laughs) go for a ride into the lake. Training wheels. I'll cat. I'll cat. Training floaties. And then late late in the afternoon or early in the afternoon on Sunday, I'll be checking out some of the cyclists during the Pro Cycling Challenge. So that'll be fun to watch. That'll be good. Some of the best cyclists in the world. Coming through Denver. That's right. They come through Boulder, huh? Um, I think they go through Golden and stay south of Boulder. Oh. I'm not sure, though. I'd have to double check that. Okay. Alright. Right. Thanks for taking out. Yeah, I guess we'll sign off and thanks for listening, as always. And this is Andy signing off. Stay classy, Boulder. See you yeah. later. See you next time. Take care, guys. Oh,